today on Ag News Daily. Educate them as to where their food comes from or how we farm uh, today in modern agriculture. We are going to be uh, in a very sad Happy Friday, folks. Another Friday episode here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined today by guest co-host and one of my sorority sisters, actually, Anna Hastert, who works for the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Anna, thanks so much for guest co-hosting with me today. Yeah, Delaney, thanks for having me on the show. We go we go by back, actually. I kind of forget that we, well, not that I forget, but we went to college together. Now we work both in ag journalism. So it's kind of a small world. Right. And it's funny because we had a close relationship through our sorority in college, but we really didn't work side by side mm-hmm. in college, kind of like we do now in our professional careers. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been interesting to see how that's kind of come full circle um, from college to I now. I like it, though. It's kind of it's cool. It just shows, I think, how close knit really agriculture is, too. Right. Yeah. And I just think that it stresses the importance of having connections, you Mm -hmm. know, in college, they always talk about having a network and um, your and I's relationship has really helped us um, not only in the college setting, but also in our in our professional careers um, where we're able to um, share content with each other Mm -hmm. if needed or rely on each other for help every now and again. So, yeah, I just kind of goes back to um, the more people you know, the kind of the better. Absolutely. Awesome. I love that, Anna. So you work in, of course, the ag reporting, ag broadcasting, ag journalism industry too. So you're constantly Mm -hmm. focusing on news, maybe a little more Iowa-centric than what we focus on here on the podcast. But Anna, what's some some news that you've been following lately that people listening to the podcast should know about? Right. Some of the news that I've been following lately, um, I guess one that is really just kind of never ending right now mm-hmm. is just the impacts that weather has had, um, whether that be on spring planting or um, just kind of the, these farmers and their households, you know, um, even those in South Dakota that are that are in calving season right now and they're getting tons and tons of snow. Um, so just just the various ways that the weather um, is impacting rural America. Mm -hmm. So one of the stories that I produced earlier this week was talking about, you know, planting delays. And for those farmers, specifically in southwest Iowa and parts of Nebraska, if they're even going to be able to plant this season. And it looks like some of those probably aren't. Their fields are still going to be under a little bit of water, and they're not going to be able to um, get within that planting window that they need to harvest the crop at the same time that they normally do. And even if they do plant it a little later, they still might not have a very good harvest window. You know, we might be Mm -hmm. looking at snow during that time. Um, So we just talked about, I talked with the Farm Credit Services of America representative about just some of those crop insurance coverage options for those who aren't going to be able to plant. And they talked about You know, you can do preventive planting. Um, There's some coverage there. Um, But they just want to reiterate that there's always a final plant date for these producers. So producers can plant into that late planting period, which is typically 25 days. um, Or they could look at switching to another crop. And um, another option for them would to be plant some cover crops on that ground or just leave the ground sitting idle. Um, But there is coverage options, and there are options for them moving forward, too. 
Um, another story that we've been looking at this week, my coworker Dustin Hoffman was in Pacific Junction today. Hmm. He was covering, um, Vice President Pence was there yeah. at a farm and assisting just some of the damage caused by floodwaters. And one of the pictures that Dustin took was just, it was just crazy. The, the amount of stuff from this, this farm's, um, from like just inside their household that was strewn out all over their yard and stuff. I could only imagine what the rest of the farm looked like. So just talking with farmers, um, Vice President Pence was just talking with farmers, asking them, you know, what what can we do to help you? And I know you guys talked about on the podcast earlier this week about how there hasn't been additional funding passed mm-hmm. for some of these who have been affected by flooding. And so they're trying to find different ways that they can actually provide funding to these people who are direly in need of mm-hmm. a little bit more assistance. So I'm yeah. um, just talking about how to overcome these challenges that we quite weren't expecting. I, right. I mean, each year during planting season or throughout the growing season, there's always some kind of weather challenge, it seems, whether it be too much rain or not enough rain, but those things that farmers can overcome, you know, the plants, the the crop always turns out in the end, um, maybe a couple of bushels break or shorter than they would like, but it still turns out pretty decent. Um, but this year, it's just, it's going to be tough for farmers, yeah. especially with the farm economy that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's frightening to think about what some of those producers are going to be able to do or not be able to do moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail right on the head there. And I'm glad you brought up that piece there about uh, Vice President Pence um, visiting Iowa, because we still don't really have any news Mm -hmm. as far as, you know, a package in place to help those people affected not only by flooding, but also disaster that happened in 2018 and 2017. So still watching that stuff as well. One of the other things that I've been watching this week, and I know you have too, because I saw you guys tweeted the link to it, was um, just the impact African swine fever continues to have. Mm -hmm. I've seen estimates today and, and earlier this week that's saying, anywhere from 30% of the hog herd will be culled in China. The thing that I think is is really crazy um, and, and just have kind of put this into perspective in my own head is essentially China is looking to cull or analysts are forecasting that China could cull the entire, the equivalency of the entire U.S. hog herd. And I think that that mm-hmm. speaks speaks miles for really the issues that they're having in China. Uh, the other piece of Chinese news I know we probably forgot to mention on the podcast yesterday. I think Mike and I were chatting about it earlier and he said, ah, crap, I forgot to mention it. But that is um, Secretary Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said that the U.S. and China have settled on a way to enforce an agreement now to end the trade war or to fix this trade war. He said, we've pretty much agreed on an enforcement mechanism We've agreed that both sides will establish enforcement offices that will deal with the ongoing matters. This is something both sides are taking very seriously. So we had that, of course, come out um, late afternoon on Wednesday or Thursday morning. So I think Mm -hmm. that's exciting to see some moves happening there, but still not as fast-paced as farmers would like to see it happen. Right, yeah. And, I mean, they've reached a deal, but it'll, I mean it's still kind of a long timeline, even though they've reached a deal because they're going to have to sign a deal. Mm-hmm. So um, just getting that legislation actually in place, signed and in place 
is a task of its own. And so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can, now that they've reached an agreement with each other, if they can actually get that signed. Right. And hopefully we can be able to move forward. But the one thing that um, the market analysts that I speak to often remind me of is the trade war is not over just because mm-hmm. an agreement is signed. There's going to be those tariffs that we're going to remove and like things that are going on with, um, if you look at USMCA right now, um, the new NAFTA agreement, it's, there's still tariffs in place on some Mexican and Canadian products. And, you know, they're having a big problem with that, but the United States hasn't lifted those. So hopefully both the U.S. and China can lift those tariffs as soon as possible once that deal is actually signed. But there is going to be um, just some lingering effects from those tariffs, too. It's going to take a while to fully remove them from these products that they've Mm -hmm. um, decided to put a little bit of a burden on, I guess, during this trade war. Yeah, and I think one thing to maybe lighten the load a little bit, just, you know, one bright spot that we've got going for us in the midst of all this Chinese trade war stuff. I mean, I guess it's a good and a bad, depending on how you look at it and what commodities you you raise, but um, Chinese importers did purchase a a huge shipment of U.S. pork and the weekly export sales was reflected there. It was 77,000, just over 77,000 metric tons of U.S. pork, despite those tariffs that we have in place with with U.S. pork. So I think that is one bright spot. But then on the other side of it, if you're a soybean producer, that that also speaks loudly for just how drastic they're seeing cuts in their hog herd, which means, of course, they're going to need fewer and fewer soybeans and soy meal mm-hmm. and, and feed products. So it's kind of a double-edged sword there. Right. Yeah, I agree. They're definitely going to need less feed, but more of that animal protein moving forward. And um, the interesting thing about that pork sale that you mentioned to China was that was the largest weekly pork sale to China since the early since early 2013. Hmm. I just think I can't even I mean, that's that's huge. That's um, let's see here. That is uh, six years that have passed since China has bought that much pork. Um, over a weekly period. So, I mean, it just goes to show, yeah, the impact that African swine fever is having on China. And unfortunately, it doesn't look like they're getting a grip on that Mm -hmm. and it continues to spread. So hopefully, and I repeat that again, hopefully we can keep that out of the United States because if African swine fever were to enter into the United States, um, it, it would be really ugly for U.S. pork producers. It would be really ugly. I feel like uh, mm-hmm. protein, or pork would probably not be a staple protein in a lot of people's diets worldwide. Right. Yeah, and I was having a conversation um, with some people that work within our building about it, and they had mentioned, you know, the biosecurity that we have on hog farms today and how that's pretty outstanding, um, um, some of the things that they can keep from the hogs that they don't get infected with or um, don't get exposed to, I guess, because of those biosecurity measures that are in place. But they question, is that good enough Mm -hmm. to prevent the spread of African swine fever virus if it were to get in the United States? And that's scary to think about. I mean, the amount of hogs just in the state of Iowa is just tremendous. So just to have all of the hogs in Iowa wiped out would take a would take a huge hit on the market. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we never have to see that. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was interesting. There was an insurance company that actually came up with policies 
oh. that would um, be available to protect ASF losses if it were to be in the United States. So there's all there's preventative measures um, being implemented just in case African yeah. swine fever were to come into the United States. But hopefully we don't have to um, learn what that just in case looks like. Yeah, I'm hoping we do not have to ever deal with that. That is for sure. Right. Mm hmm. Well, another interesting piece of news that was released this week, I think we should share today, was the U.S. Census, which is from 2017. Mm -hmm. They're a little behind there on that data. But overall, it showed the average age of U.S. farm producers in 27 was in 2017 was up 57 and a half years old is the average age compared to 56.3 years in 2012 census. I think the thing that really stuck out to me from this census, besides, you know, the age rising, which I think comes as no mm -hmm. surprise to anybody, um, was just the amount of farms that are doing more with less, essentially. So we saw total number of farms drop in 2017 compared to 2012. We saw the amount of acreage um, was down compared to 2012. But all of these farmers are doing more and producing more crops and producing more livestock with essentially less ground and less farms on the market. So I think that that shows some some bright spots for agriculture. Right. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point there, too, that you made, Delaney. Um, I mean, I feel like once farmers have a good grasp on how to product to, to be productive on their operations, that the next goal is, well, how can I do more? Mm -hmm. And we tend to see that each growing season as farmers are continually to ask their seed reps or um, just other people that they work with to get inputs for their operation. You know, what can I, what products can I use? Um, what seed can I plant? And what else can I do to help this plant throughout its life cycle to get a better yield in the end? And we keep seeing farmers pushing the bar for um, the highest yield each year. And so it's just it's it's an interesting challenge that farmers take oh, on yeah. for themselves. And as a consumer of these products, it's it makes me feel good because it's like these farmers are always wanting to do more for the end user, whether it be themselves or for people like us who are going to the grocery store and buying some of these products to consume for ourselves. So farmers are always um, trying to push the limit there and trying to be better for themselves and for the consumer. And um, that just is just a really feel good piece, I feel like. I do too. I think we should just end it there with that. End it on an upbeat note. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. Well, Anna, let's uh, look at the commodity markets for today. Unfortunately, we didn't see a lot of strength across the board here in the grains, but in the livestock, it's a little more optimistic. So, of course, our markets are sponsored by our partners at the Zaner Group. You can give them a call at 312-277-0050. A quick plug for Ted Seifert and Brian Grossman. And I know you have a lot of conversations with Brian on the phone, and they're great resources, that's for sure. Right. Brian is always good, always useful, and helps explain things if I'm having trouble <laughs> understanding. And um, he always stresses to me each week, you need to have a marketing plan in place. Oh, yeah. So for those producers who still are, um, I guess, procrastinating like I <laughs> tended to do in college, um, make sure you have a marketing plan in place or Brian Grossman will get at you. Absolutely. They're a good resource to have 
help you with that marketing plan. Looking across mm -hmm. the board for today, the May corn contract up a penny on the day at 361 even, while the December closed up just half a cent at 389 even. In the soybean pits, not a lot of volatility for today that sparked much excitement. The May contract unchanged on the day at 859 and a quarter. The November down just half a cent to close at 927 and three quarters. The wheat pits had a little more excitement than the corn and soybean markets for today with the March con or the, excuse me, the May contract closing up four cents at four sixty four and a half. The July up three cents on the day at four sixty eight and a half. Hopping over to look into the livestock markets, as I mentioned, quite a bit of green all across the boards here. The April live cattle contract up fifty five cents at one twenty six fifty five. The June up a dollar oh two to close at one twenty one forty five. In the feeder cattle pits, the April contract closed unchanged on the day at 145.42.5. The May up 65 cents to close at 150.50. Looking over into the lean hog pits, African swine fever continues to push those prices upwards. The April contract up 7 cents at 79.30. The May up $1.20 to close at 89.60. And the June up 80 cents on the day to close at 98.50. Rounding out the markets with dairy class 3 milk futures, we've got the April contract up just a tick today at 15.92, the May losing a penny at 15.77. And it's a good thing we ended with a conversation or ended with our dairy markets here because for today's Friday interview, we've got our field reporter Bruce Gorder chatting with John Maxwell from Cinnamon Ridge Farms and Dairy Operating. There's a farm in eastern Iowa that farms the way it should be done, but also makes a point of telling their story to the public. Cinnamon Ridge Farms is located near Donahue, Iowa. It is operated by John and Joan Maxwell. I asked John for a snapshot of the operation. Uh, we farm in eastern Iowa uh, near the Quad Cities, uh, a little bit north of Interstate 80, but uh, also right along I-80 I uh, corridor. Uh, we farm, we have a corn and soybeans operation uh about four thousand acres of corn and soybeans uh we have a, a robotic dairy that uh, we milk jersey cows in and we're uh very high-end uh, jerseys as in we're second in the nation for milk fifth for fat and first in the nation for protein and have a lot of high-end milking cows in our herd um, we also have a, a cow calf operation and then we have we raise out uh, those uh, jerseys for bulls or steers, and then we also have uh, uh, the Angus that we feed out as well. Um, we also have chickens, a uh, small flock of those, about 400, and uh, we have a self-serve store, and uh, we also do a lot of tourism where we see um, approximately six to 7,000 uh, people on our farm every year. Uh, because of our proximity to John Deere, we uh, get quite a few foreign visitors, about 2,000 of those, uh, some domestic folks, and then a lot of kids. And um, also in our dairy operation, we make our own cheese and then sell it locally in the Quad Cities, whether it be in a restaurant or uh, a supermarket or the I-80 truck stop has uh, quite a bit of our cheese at it as well. So we're uh, having a blast, and uh, uh, every day is uh, wonderful to wake up to. For those that aren't familiar with the robotic milking operation, describe that a little bit to us, if you would, John. Uh, the, the, ro the robotic uh, milking operation changed our world. Uh, we put it in in 2012. We, uh, we uh, chose Laylee 
which are headquartered in Iowa and Iowa Company. So that really did lead us that direction. Uh, they're actually made in Pella. And when I say they changed our world, they uh, it used to be my dad had a joke. He said, you know, the only difference between going to jail and milking cows is you don't have to milk cows in jail. And this is truly, uh, you milk uh, at all times of the day, but you don't have to have someone there at all times of the day when you're milking. So it really has loosened up. We milk about 220 jerseys, and um, we're we're doing it with two and a half, three people, which normally that would be six, seven people. And uh, we also don't have that. It, it's a different way of life. It's a different way of uh, going about things. Um, so it really it really does uh, change it. The, the best thing about it that I think is it individualizes each cow. So the cow that is milking a lot, you can feed her more, you can milk her more. The cow that is ready to go dry, you can milk her less, feed her less, and get her prepared for her dry period. And it just really um, makes it so each individual cow is reaching their maximum potential. Um, so that's, that's pretty exciting. And it also um, uh, reduces the labor force and makes the way of life a lot better. Well, it's fascinating to watch, and it was uh, really interesting uh, for me to see when I was over there. Uh, the other part of your operation, you touched on it in your opening remarks, is the education part, the tours, talking to school kids, talking to foreign visitors. Uh, why is that so important to you? It's kind of the fabric in my soul. I, I think if we don't educate the next generation and uh, educate them as to where their food comes from or how we farm uh, today in modern agriculture, we are going to be uh, in a very sad situation, and we're going to really struggle with uh, the, the fact that we uh, don't have them educated, and they're going to make laws, and they're going to they're going to do things that we really don't want, and uh, uh, that's that's pretty important. So whether it be a foreign uh, visitor to talk about the GMOs and organic to uh, a kid group to uh, educating those parents as to where their food comes from and why um, what we grow here in the uh, U.S. Uh, is so important to our everyday fabric. And I have a saying that three out of three people eat every day. And isn't it wonder wonderful that a farmer grew it for whatever you eat? And I don't care if you're, if you're a vegan or whatever. There's a farmer that grew it for you. So um, we, we are... We should never pit one farmer uh, against another. All of us are kind of in the same world, uh, doing the same thing, and that's trying to grow food for the world and uh, make sure that uh, the world is uh, fed very well and safely. When you get foreign visitors, John, uh, to your farm and uh, looking over the operation, uh, is there anything that really surprises the foreign visitors, or is it just uh, generally looking at the operation? Um, First of all, a foreign visitor usually comes trying to make their operation better, whether that be a better use of the manure for fertilizer or growing their crops better. But they're they're wanting to wanting to uh, make their operation better and learn how the U.S., which is a world leader in uh, production, uh, no matter what commodity you're in, um, they're wanting to learn from it. And so they're really wanting to glean that. And in, 
in that conversation, we become uh, very uh, close about how things are grown and what we do. And I would tell you that uh, the educational piece is super important uh, because the European model uh, does not uh, favor farmers very well. They're looked into a bad light. Um, they're taxed heavily on their livestock and everything else. And it, it just really is a situation where you hear what they have to say and you say, uh, God bless the USA and how we, we do things. And, and really, it is wonderful that we're, uh, we're blessed to be farmers in the United States where uh, overall we're respected and overall we're appreciated. And uh, every day we're uh, doing what we love to do and be able to uh, do favorable things for the United States. John, I think you and, and Joan are doing a great job and all your staff there at Cinnamon Ridge Farms. And, and I invite anyone to uh, get on get on your website. To give us your website information so uh, folks can get more is, information. Uh, tourmyfarm.com. Uh, that's tourmyfarm.com. And um, you can go to our website and just walk your way through it. You can uh, see what we do. You can uh, book a tour if you want to by uh emailing us with uh, that's tourmyfarm at gmail.com and uh, be able to see uh, whatever, whether that be a barn tour or you've got a bus group. Um, we, we do tours all the way from two people all the way up to uh, hundreds of people. Um, and we have special events such as the one you were just at uh, that usually is the fourth uh, Thursday of March uh, called the Ag Summit, where we uh, try to talk agriculture with eastern iowa folks and, and come out and then enjoy a, a, a steak sandwich meal uh at the end of it so we are we're always excited to have visitors and we'd we'd love to talk whether it be about uh farming or uh food or anything in between uh we're very excited about that i just wanted to make a note you never know the impact that you have and um years ago I had a visitor with his, um, his uh, two twin daughters, and they were interested in getting into uh, veterinary medicine, and he was a lawyer in, in the, the, uh, the, this part of the world. And he was asking me all sorts of questions about water quality and, and uh, cover crops and, and nitrates and how they become nitrates. And I just uh, felt that he was uh, really genuinely interested. As it turns out, um, uh, just a couple years ago, he visited my farm again at one of our events uh, called the Farm to Table, and he ended up uh, going from his lawyership to being uh, a on the Supreme Court, and he was the person that um, made the decision on the Des Moines Waterworks case. And I want to emphasize not that, that I made a difference. I want to emphasize that you never know who you talk to and how you can make a difference. So I would encourage every one of the listeners that has farming or agriculture or anything else, tell your story. Tell your story as often as you can. Have people come visit because those you never know when you're going to plant the seeds of change or seeds of, of high-end agriculture knowledge. 
That's John Maxwell of Cinnamon Ridge Farms near Donahue, Iowa. And I encourage everyone listening to go on their website and see what this operation is all about. It's really fascinating. TourMyFarm.com. That's TourMyFarm.com. I'm Bruce Gorder for Ag News Daily. Well, Anna, interesting stuff there. I love seeing uh, different operations, and I like kind of the, I'm not going to call them fluff pieces, but I just like interacting and, and hearing other people's stories about how they're doing stuff. So Cinnamon Ridge Dairy is definitely one that's kind of a neat story, I think, to share. Right. Well, Anna, if folks want to interact with you on social media or listen to some of the stories you're sharing, how can they do that? Yeah, so people can either follow me on my personal Twitter. It's Anna has dirt, dirt <laughs> as in soil. And um, for uh, work accounts, you can follow us at Iowa Ag Radio. That's both on Facebook and Twitter. And our website is iowaagnet.com. All right, Anna, with that, should we let the people go for today? I think so. I think we should let people go and enjoy the weekend.